Hi listeners, this is Kiran Kalakuntla. I'm the co-founder of Egan Care, a full-stack health benefits platform. This episode of the Founder Thesis podcast is really a masterclass in finding product market fit. Your host Akshay Dutt is talking with Kiran Kalakuntala. the founder of the health tech startup Ekincare. Kiran spent almost a decade in the US as a product manager with large telecom companies. He then came back to India with the itch to do something of his own and identified healthcare as the area to build in. This is where the journey of Ekincare starts. And in this conversation Kiran talks about the challenges of finding the right business model, of raising funds and the insights he got along the way about how to solve healthcare challenges for India. Today Ekincare serves 2 million employees of 500 plus companies and has raised more than 20 million dollars till date. Listen on and if you like such insightful conversations with disruptive startup founders then do subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app. did my mechanical engineering in hyderabad and just like every other south indian sent to go to the us and pursue my masters there moved there graduated from duke which is one of the top schools in the us I did my masters in engineering management one of the cfos of one of the large telecommunications company he happens to be an alumni of duke and we happened to meet we started a conversation and then he said why don't you come join us This is Altel which was later acquired by Verizon in the US it was down in the south in Arkansas and a person from a mechanical engineering actually moving into telecommunications as a product engineer was a big step up for me literally i was running around figuring out yeah, how am i going to cope up with the uh, telecommunication stuff what does a product engineer do is it a product manager which is a marketing or a customer facing function or is it a r&d engineer this is an interesting uh, role that they had open which was typically if you look at any large companies there's always marketing department which is they have a vision they want to execute on something then there's a product and then there's an engineering department and typically there is chinese walls between the three departments and they're not in sync because any company engineering and product or engineering and our product and marketing are not aligned and this was a role that was actually looking to bring all the three departments together so somebody who understood product engineering somebody who understood business somebody who understood product try to build a road map from a product point of view take it to the engineering team to execute on it then finding the right positioning for the marketing to execute on it from a commercial point so it was a hardcore programming kind of a concept but it was a product engineering and what's a product for a telecommunications company is it like say caller tunes or voicemail are these like absolutely so for example one of the product that i worked on early on in my life was we wanted to build like a iTunes kind of a solution which went default on every device back in the day there was no smartphones this i'm talking about 2006 
2007. The Nokia BlackBerry era. Absolutely. Nokia Black Windows era. And Brew was the uh, predominant OS back in the day. So building an iTunes that could cut across OSs that could come preloaded. Now, how do you build content for that iTunes? How do you talk to the studios to redevelop the digital rights management to cope with the OS? And then how do you ensure the buying, the purchase, the whole nine yards when it comes to it? That was that was a real solution. Airtel's wink. Airtel has that similar. Exactly. Then uh, my first challenge getting into hardware was my SVP back in the day called me into his room and said, Kiran, by the way, pick up the smallest phone on the table and picked up Motorazer, which was the thin flip phone. And he said, now your job is to figure out how to fit satellite radio into this phone. (laughs) Okay. I mean, literally, he put me on a flight next day go to Sirius XM, negotiate with them or discuss with them in terms of the roadmap. It was, it was a pretty ambitious project. How do you put a satellite radio? It, just, it comes in pretty large size into a motor. So those were the kind of innovations or challenges that I was working on. And from there, did that stint for quite some time, moved into product development. Product development was more into the roadmap that I had created early on. How do I take, execute on it so that I can commercialize that? thought process. And then Verizon acquired Alder. So as a immigrant on H1B, I had limited choices. Either I have to take the risk that when the merger happens, I'll get acquired into Verizon or I have to leave the country in 30 days if I know, if not. And that's when, again, one of my alumni from Duke, who was at AT&T, he suggested, uh, why don't I interview with AT&T and do a product marketing report? And that's how I interviewed into product marketing, where my role was more into smartphones, devices, or how do I work with various OEMs? across the world to bring best devices to AT&T's portfolio. How do I position them? How do I bring them to market? What is the pricing? Who is the customer? What is the positioning? What is the marketing message? What is the marketing campaign that we are going to put out? The whole, the supply chain, the backend integration, the whole nine yards, like a true product, 360 product. Was the Apple deal signed by the time you joined? That iconic deal of Apple and AT&T, which like changed both their fortunes. It was within the same department, but it was managed secretly by another team. So during that time frame, during my time, I launched more than 30 devices, smartphones, launched Android devices, the first Android device in OS version to multiple versions, and the first Motorola slash Google. The Nexus series. Yeah, so that I launched the first devices in the US. First Galaxy smartphone from Samsung, a lot of money. While the entire... Devices team used to sit off, uh, sit out of Atlanta. We used to sit out of Seattle, like a, a small startup kind of an environment with the need to bring out innovation. And uh, for close to nine years, nine ten years, living in the US, launched multiple products and all of that, and uh, decided to take a break. Actually, to take a break and come back to India for a year, see what's cooking in India. I come from a business family. We always work do create something. I want to build something on my own. And I don't see a way to do that in the US. That's when in 2014, my wife grudgingly agreed for us to move back. Moved back in 2014, took a sabbatical for a year. To figure out what you want to do. Didn't have any agenda. I knew I had to do something in education, something in healthcare. Because these are two areas which, again, one of the best advices I got when I was leaving d was, again, my super boss. 
mentioned was uh, Kiran, the, the value of the company or the solution you create depends on the complexity of the problem that you're going to solve. The more the complex, the more the value. And if you look at India, if you look at education or healthcare in India, it is like extremely complex. At the same time, as somebody who was living in the US had everything, they know that these are basic things. These are fundamental things. And at the same time, if you're doing it for profit, but at the same time, you're impacting a lot of lives. You're earning money in the way of doing good for the society. So that's why I picked health and education. Didn't do anything for first three months and I was bored out of my nuts. Sitting at home and meeting relatives and decided now it's time to do. Start looking at something. Interestingly, again, when I say my journey has been a connection of multiple dots. So the first person I pinged when I moved back to Hyderabad was Sunil, who was part of a large group of companies. Very nice gentleman. He was a few years elder to me. When I was at TNT on the buying side, he was on the selling side and he asked me to come sit out of his office every single day because it gives you the discipline to keep thinking. Then started working on a couple of ideas, one on the education front. Again, wasn't able to vision building a large company out of it. It, could, it was more of a novelty or a tool where I wanted to easier for parents to decide between which school, which is the best school based on multiple scoring mechanisms. Then one was I wanted to build a remote monitoring platform for non-resident Indians like me who wanted to keep track of their parents who were back in India or any of their dependents. And that's how the name Electronic Kitten Kin Care, that's how the name Ekin Care was. And uh, so decided the healthcare is a larger problem. Healthcare is, is, as a product guy, what excites me is the complexity. The more complex, the more interesting it gets for me to solve. And that's why I decided to pursue more of e than the uh, educational product. And interestingly, while the problem statement was there, while I spoke to a lot of my friends in the US about this problem, when it came, when the time came to pay for it, a lot of willing to pay for it because that was shocking for me. That was an eye-opener for me. And, uh, also, this problem statement was primarily because I went through my own personal pain point. While I couldn't contribute to my parents' healthcare journey, my dad's health condition, no data for me, even show it to my friends in the US who were part of doctors or part of the doctor network. And that's when I said there got to be a better way. Here I'm dealing with 4G technology. Here I'm dealing with variables and I mean, late 3D technologies and all. But when it comes to keeping track of your parents back in India, you pick up a phone, you talk to them, did you take medicine? Is everything fine? And you hang up. And your parents invariably lie. They don't want you to stress out. And then I thought there got to be a better solution. That was the genesis of Ink and Care, to build a platform for somebody who wants to really take care of their dependents' health. And as is, I thought the problem was complex. Now, once I got into the trenches, I realized the problem was hairiest also. What do you mean hair hairiest? Because there's no data. There's no data, there is no standardization, there's no interconnection between hospitals. Now, if I want to build a platform, like for example, if you're using a tool, let's say we are using any new age technology, the data is clean structured, that's how you are able to make an analysis and a decision. But if the data doesn't exist, if the data is not clean, if the data is not standardized, I can't be sitting on a high throne saying I'll build a platform and then analyze this because the platform is useless if the data isn't clean. And You're building a, a, or you were planning to build some way to take care of the health of your dependents, which would mean, say, uh, an appointment 
cooking, medicine ordering kind of a ecosystem or something which is more personal? Very personal, right? It has to be an assistant. If I took my own example, I'm not from a healthcare background. I'm a mechanical engineer who's working at Telecom. Don't know the head or tail about healthcare. Now, the platform should be intelligent enough to say, Kiran, this is the time for your father to go for a cholesterol check or your father is at a risk of X, Y, and Z. And it has to be like a digital health assistant that can actually keep you true to what the next step is in terms of your dependence. For that assistant to be that AI, artificial intelligence to kick in, you need data and you don't have data. So we took the most arduous, the difficult route of first solving for that before we build the platform, literally. Okay, so why do you need the data? If you want to create an assistant, you could hard code it. You could have a panel of doctors and they could chart out 100 different symptoms and their possible underlying conditions and whatever and then you could do the hard coding of it so healthcare is is an ocean so when i say healthcare is an ocean the open graph the relativity model when it comes to healthcare is phenomenally large for example i'll give you a simple example if you look at the number of permutations variables that could impact an individual's health 30 year old with a family history of diabetes last cholesterol checkup was bad but taking 5000 steps per day there's another profile who's taking 10,000 steps per day. One profile is a passive smoker. One is an active smoker. That one is non-smoke. One has other chronic conditions. And if you keep adding these variables, it can be like when you say it can be hard-coded. Yes, you could essentially mimicking a doctor. They could be like billions of combinations. Exactly. Combinations. How do you build that? The simplest way, what you mentioned is there's a concierge service. There's one doctor always called. Doctor looks at the data and gives you the information. But that's not scalable. You can probably scale it to few, but it's not scalable beyond. And somebody from a technology background would say, Ki, that is Jugad. That's not technology. And then that's we wanted to use the data. We wanted to leverage the data to be able to build this relative model, to be able to truly say, okay, you know what, Kiran, by the way, your last lipids were bad and your family is at risk, but you did not taking more than 5,000 steps over a period of 15 days. And which means your CVD risk is now elevated compared to three, three months ago, which means you have to do X, Y, and Z steps improve your health which means by the way here's a basic health check for you to again assess speak to a doctor to reassess and here's x y and z basic steps that you can do to improve start improving your activity levels if that's the thing that they need to work on so that is what we were trying to build and for that we need data and actually Srikant, my other co-founder, came on board 2015, actually. Late 2015 is when I started speaking to him. His classmate at IIT Madras was my junior at Duke. And that's how we got connected. And again, we got connected on the complexity of healthcare. We got connected on the personal impact of healthcare within our own families. And we got connected on the number of possibilities that this could have if we are able to solve. And that's how we on board and we started building this platform together. So you you were talking of the approach you took to gather the data. What was that approach that you took to gather the data? It was very difficult. Literally, our entire seed round was burnt in actually figuring out this problem state. Because I will tell you openly that today, while hospitals don't have a clue in terms of what to do with the data, 
we went to multiple hospitals to say, hey, give us the data. We want to, we are building this thing. If you don't have data, you really can't do anything about it. And hospitals are not willing to part with that data. Because it's sensitive. Like you're asking for patient records, test results. There's nothing sensitive about it when you actually go visit a hospital because those records are lying in an open room like a trash can. So there's nothing sensitive about it. It's just that most of the folks that I realize don't want to share that data because they feel that there's value out of that those records. They don't know what to do with it. They don't want somebody else to benefit from it. It's as simple as crap mentality. And we approached multiple hospitals to say, hey, give us the raw data. Give us the dump of that information. We both will. Whatever is fine, we'll also, right? Maybe we didn't do it, but the data you were seeking was like patient age, patient gender, date of birth, test results, doctor's diagnosis, so on and so forth. That's when we said, okay, why don't we go the harder route of launching a B2C application where users can upload their medical records, take a picture of their medical records and upload it on eKinCare. And then we use that information. We analyze that information and give them insights as a B2C. So this was more of crowdsourcing the data when we are not able to get it from an enterprise. And we did decently well in, within Hyderabad. We had 200,000 users who took pictures, uploaded medical information. We collected a lot of... And one question here. You raised the seed round. How did you do that? Like with friends and family? No, Sunil, the mentor was there. I went to him and said, hey, this is what I'm planning to do. And I asked him for a 10 lakh seed round. By then I put in my own 10 lakhs into the company and I said, hey, I'm looking to raise a 10 lakh seed round and he laughed it out and he said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 10 lakhs is peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know the background, never done a startup. He's like, no, Kiran, go back. And, and back in the day, I showed him the projections that in, in five years we would do somewhere around six to eight crores in terms of revenues now where I, again is the middle class thinking that kicks in. What did you project like you thought that people will subscribe to the assistant, like they'll pay an annual subscription fees? So this was for the NRI piece. People would, NRIs would pay for the subscription for it. And that's how we would get to six to 10 crores in five years. And he's like, Karen, this is peanuts. Please go back and redo the numbers. By the way, he had a venture arm at that time. Bitkemi Ventures. He called his uh, one of his associates and said, hey, can just sensitize him about venture capital a little bit. And that's when actually my thought process opened up. Not to limit your thought by what is today, but to think much bigger than where it could be. And that's when I had to redo the numbers and then based on the numbers and based on the conviction, because he was seeing me coming in every day, sitting outside his office, progressing along the way. That's when he said, I'll write you my first check. He funded one crore as a seed round. And then after him, there was another gentleman, Srinath, who had an IT services company building healthcare technology for US-based companies. Again, he happened to meet through a common connect. And he said, I will also put in a crore. And that's how we raised our first seed round, two crores, even before we had a product, actually. and uh, Which is a pretty good launch, but... Yeah, for somebody who was thinking of raising 10 lakhs. I'm assuming you, this money you would have mostly spent on acquiring users who will upload. Like it would all have been spent on performance marketing, Facebook, Google. And Absolutely. Even guerrilla marketing, we used to go to the, I would say, the parks in the morning where people used to jog and show them the application. They used to drive us away. We used to go to the malls, show the application, take feedback. That's how we were doing it, like grassroots level. That's how we collected a lot of data 
we use that data to build our algorithms from from OCR is again we didn't build our OCR we used whatever was off the shelf we used Tesseract then Microsoft OCR but we built a lot of technology above OCR because what OCR does is it just extracts the characters but when you take a picture the picture could be slanted or it could be slightly disaligned or when you draw grids and extract the characters it's it, you have to reconstruct all of that to be able to make sense of it you reconstruct that's one portion because if the line is slightly slanted you could actually connect wrong characters and it doesn't make sense it will be garbled mess one is reconstructing the characters. Second is as analyzing those characters because some would say OTCHL, some would say total cholesterol, some would say nil, some would say zero, some would say uh, negative. That is one one problem statement. Now the third problem statement is the sample. The normal ranges are different for different labs based on the treatment that they are using, based on the sample this test kit that they're using, based on male, female, based on whether pregnant, not pregnant, kid, age. So when you are reconstructing, you have to take all these variables into account. And then once you reconstruct it, you have to triple check that because if you take total cholesterol, but instead of negative, you take the line below, even if it's positive, negative, something, and you apply it some other, again, total cholesterol is a bad example, but another component, the whole reading, the whole report goes incorrect. That's the level of complexity that we were working on just to build, understand the data that we are extracting, understand, reconstruct that information so that it can be put in clean fashion. Once that is done, now we have to standardize. Standardize because, for example, Akshay, you could maybe go to Fortis, you go to Max, you have two reports, but the two reports are not identical. Now you have to standardize two reports to say, Akshay, by the way, your lipids trend is this. Only then I can say, actually, based on your last three years trend, this is what I recommend. So now you have to standardize, build that trend. And once you standardize, build that trend, now you have to personalize to Akshay. Get the demographic data, like age, gender. And then other variables, family history, your lifestyle, all of that. Then recommend based on that personalization. For recommendation, you used human experts. Did you onboard doctors to give recommendations? Srikanth is not from healthcare. I'm not from healthcare. If we start recommending, it'll be like uh, engineers giving healthcare advice. We onboarded a couple of doctors who gave us the blueprint. We had to build a lot of, I would say, structured models. I would say decision is to be able to find, uh, to take the lowest common denominator to uh, recommend for that. And what we realized is we can't continue doing this because, like I said, healthcare is an ocean. Let's focus on the 80-20 rule. 80-20 in the sense, like, what are the key chronic conditions, the pandemic that is in India, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease. So we said let's focus on going deeper into these three areas rather than trying to get into kidney, liver, all of these other chronic conditions. And that's how we started building the model. And what we realized is these are the three have and the root cause for everything else for our human health. And then what we realized is now, while we are recommending all of this, we need something that can our user can constantly track. Just how you have a credit score to say whether you're doing financially better, you are credit worthy or not. You need a score for your health. What is Akshay's health today? What is Akshay's health today means you have to go through my health as A, B, C. I've done this health checkup. Without all that, can actually say, by the way, my health is 
500 out of 800 today. So we then built a scoring mechanism to be able to say, okay, this is where the individual's health is based on all the parameters that we have. And what is the delta from a good health, a golden sample to where Akshay is? And how do how can Akshay get to from point A to point B? That's the recommendation based on diabetes, hypertension. Background. This algorithm for recommendations, did you use like a machine learning approach where you said, okay, the doctors will keep recommending and eventually the system will figure out what to recommend or did you like hard code it? We first hard coded it. So that is decision tree model. AI first comes the decision, the uh, decision tree model. If it's A, you break it down. If within A1 and you break it down, that's how we started. But as we started getting more and more variables, more and more data, we moved into assisted learning. What does that mean? Assisted learning? So now there is data and we started training the models. So we started that okay this this result means you could infer this way one and that's how we then moved into machine learning saying okay now we have data then the machine can start learning itself based on the data it's and that's how yeah to be honest when we started building the the extraction or this entire algorithm our accuracy was 70 percent and how do you measure accuracy you had a, a human expert looking at the recommendation we had a human expert looking at that qa from that point of view. And the QA, the human expert would constantly feed in the information saying, okay, this came in incorrect, this came in correct. And it took us literally four, four, even today, we're still improving it. Today, it's since 90 to 94% accuracy, but we're still continuously improving it. But it took immense amount of data. It took immense amount of QA. It took immense amount of iterating our algorithms. Again, the difference between Eakin Care or any other company is our approach was data. So we had, even before we invested in services, building a platform for appointments or going out and building a supply, all of that, we invested in technology, building for that data. In fact, we spent a lot of money just on that. And that still forms the core or the, I would say the, the differentiator or the moat for Eakin Care today. I might sound cocky, but there is nobody in entire Southeast Asia who can structure like Eakin Care medical information. I'm saying Southeast Asia because the, I mean, developing countries, the medical infrastructure is very asymmetric, unstructured. So nobody can do it. So what? give me examples of what the recommendations would be like. Would they be like mostly diet and exercise or would you also be recommending a medicine? Not medicine, diet, exercise, uh, health checkup. When is the right time to go for a follow-on health checkup? When is the time to speak to the right specialist? All of that. And again, we didn't boil the ocean because data was sparse. Again, we were sitting on a very, if you look at the kind of ocean that we are trying to solve, the data that we had was a drop in the we, we were cognizant of our drawbacks. So we were taking baby steps. And that's why from 2015 to 2017, we continuously built thanks to our investors back in the day. We didn't even have a metric to track. Yeah, right. There was no revenue. Like it was pure data collection phase. There's no revenue that we were tracking. We were trying to solve this basic thing and our investors were uh, supportive of it. Because they knew this is a complex that we are trying to solve. By then, we decided NRIs would not pay for the parents, though they're happy to pay for their OTT stuff back in the day, $9 per month. When it comes to parents, literally it was like pulling teeth to get them to pay for parents. So we have given up on NRIs. 
back in the day saying this is a useless bunch who will not take care of their parents and uh, that's when we shifted to b2c and we were doing this more like a cloud just like how kindle is for books how itunes for music how google pix is for pictures with our advertising campaign we did a radio ads and all to actually try users to use it but interestingly 2017 is when we stumbled upon this opportunity from uhc well, what is the full form united healthcare india they had a tpa um, tpa is a third party administrator who helps insurance companies to settle claims correct literally there was a time when we were trying to reach out to this person and the person wasn't giving us time we literally had to force ourselves into the office to show what we had built and he was amazed what were you expecting from that meeting like why were you so insistent on meeting there's a tpa who's processing data they do they're doing it manually but this tool help them to structure that information we are already automating most of it interestingly the person said they were trying to build something for several years something of the sort and remains that this is already cracked and that's how we got their interest and again the tpa back in the days was actually managing the corporate health also so let's say as part of tpas group policies they were selling group insurance policies not selling the managing corporate health through because the insurance would give them give some freebies or additional benefits as part of the insurance as we're supposed to manage take care of the annual health checkups and all the benefits that provided and uh, that's when there was a problem statement was saying hey by the way we have the sister company 9000 employees we do these annual health checkups every year across these 9000 employees but we don't know after that what because as a hr it is inhumanly possible for me to read 9000 reports and say which one is good or bad the only way is that like you rightly mentioned akshay that the traditional way of showing those 9000 records to a doctor going through it and doctor with limited knowledge at that one snapshot of that one report is going to make a decision and tell them what to do next versus history right which is multidimensional and, uh, that's when they said let's do a pilot with one of the companies and uh, we did a pilot with that company in a very rudimentary fashion which is on excel sheet because we didn't have a front end or uh, everything was back end but you already had the consumer app where people could upload record this is what you wanted to do in your pilot that give employees access to the app tell them upload your records and then we will give you a recommendation but weren't allowed to use the application because they wanted white label and all of that and we couldn't do it now we have to retrofit it for bulk and so pretty much there's no front end for it everything was force fed on the back end we got the raw data we had to show it in excel sheets to be able to give them the view. like employees had to email their past reports and the current report which they got and so the employees would go to labs tps would get the reports because they have to file the reimbursement or the claims we we took the reports from the tpa and that was pretty interesting for them because for the first time they actually got a sense of what the entire effort was about how many are diabetic how many are hypertensive where is the risk where do they need to focus if they have 50 rupees and 50 employees do they distribute rupee across every employee or they distribute 50 paisa across everybody and then save that 25 rupees to towards high risk employees so there was no strategy if there's no data there's no strategy now that they have data they could slice and dice and understand where how when who why to spend and that's how they they said this is interesting we want to sign a 3 year contract with us and what do you mean by spend here 
what does that mean? Like a company would give money to employees to go for like a gym, join a gym, if that was like... Back in the day, if you would say preventive health for these companies, preventive health meant health checkups. So they would give a free health checkup for the employees to go use it, or they would reimburse their employees to go get a free health checkup. So you would help them to decide which employees need to be given a free health checkup and which ones don't need it. Everybody was given free health checkup. But from the data, we would give them insights as to how many are at risk. Because from that data, you can actually start predicting what could be the potential claims also for an insurance in future. It helps them do the underwriting better as well. Exactly. Like in retail, they ask you to go for a health checkup so that they can underwrite better. Group, it doesn't happen. So that's the data that we were able to parse and give it to them. But we were on the buyer side, not on the seller side. On the buyer side, because now they can actually negotiate better in terms of their premiums. That's both ways, to be honest. And that's when we signed our first B2B contract. Then we realized uh, once you see actual money, until then we were earning what 10 lakhs per month or maybe 2 lakhs per month. But how were you earning money? You had no monetization model or you started selling the assistant service. We started based on the recommendations when there was a recommendation and somebody said, hey, by the way, I want to book a health checkup. And we used to connect them to local diagnostics and we used to take Got it. services for services. This was the first time that we said we'll pay you 36 lakhs. And that was big money. Suddenly we had a big check. We said, this is interesting. And so just to understand this 36 lakhs, so this would be say like a company like say KPMG, which would have say 1000 employees or 10,000, whatever, some number of employees would pay you 36 lakhs. And every employee of theirs would get like a white labeled app, which would be their health buddy or health assistant in a way where they would be able to upload records and they would be able to avail the free tests, which is anyway Correct. provided to them. And they would be able to get some personalized recommendations. And for a company like, a, let's say, a KPMG, they would be able to use this data to get a better pricing from insurance companies. Absolutely. Correct. And that was interesting for us because if you typically look at any technology innovation, what I've seen and have gone through is there's a bell curve. There's early adopters, then comes followers, then laggards. We were in the early adopter phase. And typically in the early adopter phase, typically the persona for somebody to pick up a new innovation or anything is typically high household income users, disposable income, who are graduates, dabble with technology, understand technology. They're not scared of using new tech. And and realize what is a better way to reach out to these earlier doctors? Other, I mean, best way is to go through these corporates. These are all graduates, high household income users, and more importantly, we are getting clean data from the labs. Importantly, there is an intent for the user to go for a health checkup because it's free of cost. Nothing they're not paying out of their pocket. Companies paying for it. There is an intent for the company to push this because they want the employees to be healthy. There is a win for us because we want to drive adoption for our revenues and also drive adoption for the data. And that's when we decided to shut off for B2C and switch to B2B. But B2C is still giving you data, but it was not worth the effort, is it? The revenue is abysmal. In grand scheme of things, yeah, it'll give us the data, but the CAC is also high for that data. We literally burned two crores. But uh, I would have thought that this would be a pretty viral product which would have its own pull. Like I still have a big file of all my lab reports for the last 10 years with me. 
But if I knew that there is a way to digitize it, like, it is it is common sense. Even in, when I thought the same, anybody, I mean, any sane mind would say that data lying in physical files is in digital format is better than physical files. But trust me, kids don't like to take care of their health until they hit the hospital. It's like filing taxes. <laughs> you don't want to do it until the last day. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it's common sense. Anybody would say, "Yeah, okay, this is interesting," but. No, it was a push, not a pull. When we did that, interestingly, when we switched, we had shut off. We said sorry to all the retail users saying, hey, by the way, you can download the reports, but we are shutting off our B2C because as product guys, we didn't believe in serving to customers at the same time. So that's when we started going deep on the B2B's front, understanding what the use cases are, understanding what the pain points are from an HR point of view. And that's when our Noel Coutinho, again, one of my mentors, uh, said, I speak to Noel, I'm switching to B2E, B2B2E. And Noel came on board in 2017, my other co-founder, who helped as, again, he's a doctor by education. So that was our first doctor on the team. Until then, it was uh, consultant doctors that were there. He came on board, took over the selling, the enterprise selling. He had the background. And that one pilot moved to 10 companies, 10 to 40 companies, 40 to now close to 500 companies in 2022. Yeah. What is the persona of companies you serve? Is there a minimum headcount? And help me understand your target market here. So again, it's a it's a classic, I would say, first-time mistake, rookie mistake that we did getting into enterprises. So we said, let's go after the dinosaurs, the large companies, which have which were 40,000 employees. What we realized is with large companies comes a lot of customizations, a lot of weak labels, and that derails our entire roadmap. What we want to do as, our, as a company, where we want to. So in fact, our first 10 contracts, almost 80% of them were large companies, what we call it. I mean, from a size, purely from a size point of view, what we call as dinosaurs. More than 8,000, more than 10,000. And that's when we realized, actually, the sweet spot for us is between 500 to 5,000 employee companies, the mid-market, what we call it, that size is the mid-market. And that's when we decided to stick to mid-market because that allows us to be nimble, focus on our roadmap. There's less customization. We don't have to white label the solution. We don't have multiple versions of the product. Mm. It's more product, less service. With a large enterprise, it's more service, less product. So that's when we switched. In fact, we had churned all our earning clients by the second year. It was voluntary churn because we were switching to it. And I would say two steps back to spring forward, but that helped us build a very robust product without having to sacrifice our roadmap. And today, when we say 500 companies, we typically have stuck to bid market until uh, I would say last year. Last year is when we started focusing on small enterprises as well, which is typically 50 to 500 employee companies as well through insurance distribution also. So today we do everything from preventive health which includes diagnostics, teleconsultation, mental wellness, gyms, pharmacy, care management programs, dental, vision, to, I would say, insurance, which includes hospitalization, to uh, top-ups, to now we are venturing into financing as well, healthcare financing, where anything that is not covered between these two spectrums will be taken by the financings aspect. So we want to track the entire healthcare journey of an employee on the platform, 
We want to ensure that the transaction originates and ends on the platform. We want to consolidate that data to make the individual more aware of their health and assist them towards the betterment of that health. Okay, so you're charging just for this software layer to companies or is it like a comprehensive package which includes one annual checkup and X number of free consultations or online consultations or whatever? What is it that you sell? Just help me understand that. So that's a good question, Makshay. So for the first 10 customers, we sold it like platform as a service, like typical SaaS solution. And what we realized was that 30 lakhs or 20 lakhs or 5 lakhs that we were getting was peanuts compared to packaging it and selling it. Because today, some of our contracts run into two crores, two and a half crores too. Because in India, software is a commodity. If you talk to any family, they would say, hey, my, my cousin can build this app. Especially in South India. Especially in South India. So for us, it didn't make sense to sell it as a solution alone. And especially because if it was not for healthcare, where there's no dependency on the source and the data that we're collecting, that could have been, that could have made sense. But in, in our scenario, we have to control the entire experience, control the data that we're also capturing. So there's no point just selling the software and then there is garbage in, garbage out from the data point of view. Yeah, yeah because the diagnostic labs could be any labs, but you would want to control the labs that work well with you and give you, let's say, e-records instead of... Correct. Uh, what all does the bundle include? Obviously, one test per year would be the bare minimum. What else can it include? So today, for example, the bundle includes annual health checkup, one dental vision, discount on prescription wear, mental wellness. If somebody is at risk or overweight, care management program, reduction, diabetes care programs, then they would get 25% discount on pharmacy. The lens, which is readily available with a tat of less than 20 minutes across 400 cities. And teleconsultation where doctors available 24-7, 365 days now we are adding, it's a platform, so we can scale horizontally. So we have added care surgeries. We are now adding treatments. We are now adding lots more from a services point of view. So that whatever that individual or a company can envision when it comes to health benefits, they can structure it all on the platform. And based on the way of services, we can price it because we have the underwriting capabilities to be able to assess the risk. Because we have the behavioral data, the utilization data, and we control the market. It's a managed marketplace model. So we know our cost. We know our supply. We know differential pricing across the supply. So we are able to underwrite price it as a unified price for the customer. How much of the stuff in the bundle is stuff which you have to pay for and how much would we say? 25% off on eyewear may not necessarily be something that you pay for because you're generating a lot of leads for any eyewear startup. Well, it's, a, it's a underwriting. So we've taken all of that to be able to say how much is the cost. For example, gyms. Gyms is a high ticket item. If somebody goes to gyms every day, we lose hand over fist from up because it's a cost. So typically our bundle costs anywhere per employee per annum from 2000 to 5,000 rupees. Employees paying for that. Out of that, if all employees go for gyms every day, then we lose that 5,000 span of, let's say, a month. Health checkup typical package would be around 1,500 to 2,000. If everybody goes for a checkup, we lose money. It's just like group policy. A retail group policy would cost you 20. Not everyone will utilize. Correct. Would cost you 25,000 rupees for the same amount of cover. But when you get it in a group, you get it for 
3,000, 4,000 rupees because you are distributing the risk across the behavior, across the demographics. So it's not just based on what is free and all. It, there's multiple variables that go into pricing it. Uh, gym, uh, access to gym. So a- anybody who would have a, a app could show some barcode or something and then get access at- and each time they use it. Yeah. So we have, a, again, we have innovated there as well. So typically when we go to a company, we say, if you lay, take a example of a company, the way when they provide gym access, the way they typically go about is employees are supposed to show them the gym membership they that they've enrolled and they pay for that amount. Correct. It's a reimbursement. And if you actually look at the entire gym, most of the people enroll it at the end of the month, though they hardly go for a week. But the company is bearing the cost for the entire month. Again, it's a leakage for the company. The way EKR works is company we give them a fixed set of pool of sessions. If there are thousand employees, all employees dip into that pool of sessions. If there is somebody who uses it every day, Johnny Bravo who uses it every day, versus that pool of sessions is available for somebody who maybe wakes up one day and says, "Yeah, today Monday, I want I want to start." on Monday. On Tuesday, again, they don't. But that pool is available. Once that pool gets depleted to 200 sessions or 100 sessions, they can again top it up. The HR can take that decision off. It gives them a low capex and more of an office model. The benefit for the employee is to we have access to what we call flexi gym. So you, Akshay, today can go use, go to Zumba today. Tomorrow you can go swimming. Day after you can go for, I would say, boot camp. So there are all kinds of gyms that are integrated where you can decide what you want to do today. And that's the flexibility that you have. You can go in the day, you can in the night. If you're traveling to Mumbai, you can do it in Mumbai. If you're traveling to Delhi, you can check closest partner, show the QR and access. So I guess all the services would have a similar approach where there's a pool, let's say doctor consultation would be similar. Absolutely. Doctor consultation, there's no pool, right? Because again, doctors have to be available 24-7. So we have doctors who are exclusive consultants to Ekin Care. So every service we have looked. So honestly, there is a lot of product thinking in everything that we do. So we put the customer at the center. We think what the customer. So we acquired a teleconsulting company sometime back, a Cellus Care, Hyderabad-based company. What we realized when we were building our teleconsulting solution was, one, healthcare is instant. Today, if you want to speak to a doctor because you now have a requirement, you don't want to schedule an appointment three days from now to speak to a doctor or tomorrow or day after because it, it is instant. And you want to speak to a doctor now without having to go through the hassle of payment and appointment booking because it's the immediate need. And you don't know when that need could occur. It could occur even at 2 a.m. in the night. It could occur during your working hours while we are chatting. I could parallelly speak to a doctor. So that is when we decided we need to build a solution that is available 24-7. A solution which doesn't need appointment booking, takes less than 30 seconds to connect to a general physician. A solution that can doesn't ask for money because the money will be paid by the company. If it's not paid by the company, we first do the consultation and then ask for the money. But again, it's like a product thinking. How If I were myself in that shoes, what is the experience I would want? 
I were myself in trying to use a chip, what is the experience I would want? And these are high trust customers. It's not like they'll not pay you because it's through their employers. Correct. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of sticking to one payer. Now, if I try to do B2C and B2B at the same time, I wouldn't take that decision of putting the payment after the transaction. Because then I'll be using, I'll have a big leakage problem. So this is only for a general physician kind of requirement. What about say a dentist or an ophthalmologist? So there it's more of a, I would say there it's more of a scheduling because you want to speak to a specialist. It's not urgent. But is there also virtual or you have like types with clinics? where Today there is, it is virtual. We just launched our pilot for face-to-face. So today we work with more than 200 hospitals across India for other services from vaccinations to health checkups. So we are piggybacking on the same inventory for their own doctors. So the beauty about going through the B2B2E route is we know our demand first and then we build our supply. And when you build our sub when you know your demand and then build the supply, you're actually ensuring that the supply gets the money in the first three months. Otherwise, what happens is you build a network and they don't see money, then they lose interest. And that's how we built the largest cashless network today, where we work with more than 10,000 service providers across close to 200 cities, which is now going up to 250 cities. Or across these 10,000 service providers, every service is cashless. It runs on credit. And we have a ledger running with all our service providers in the back end. This must have been quite a task to onboard 10,000 service providers. You have a pretty large team in place, which does this like... No, actually, we have a more efficient team, more than a large team. Did you use product thinking there also to onboard service providers? Absolutely, because we have a dashboard. Uh, there's a lot of backend stuff that we do. Then we use data. We look at the deviation mapping to understand what is the threshold within that pin code that the partner has reached to be able to onboard the second partner. And uh, more importantly, like I said, since we know the demand, we and our demand is controlled in the line. Unlike a B2C. What does that mean, control demand? So let's say I'm onboarding a company X. And I know the company X has X employees in Gurgaon and Y employees in Bangalore. I already know how many partners I have. I already know the capacity of those partners. Can the partner take another 5,000 employees in that? Or can I add another partner to distribute the wealth? Can I add three more partners to distribute the wealth? It's highly predictable. Correct. You, you will not see uh, unpredictable spikes in- Correct. So it is therefore a lot easier for you to onboard service providers also because you're pretty much able to guarantee them revenue. Absolutely. Maybe you you don't even need to sell it to them that come and join the platform. No, all I was saying is that there is a lot of predictability and the partners know us, they love us because today we are not only sending them revenue, we are not only giving them prediction in terms of what their revenue expectation could be from care. We are also giving them insights in terms of their service qualities because today we also collect ratings after each transaction from the employees. And we are able to say, by the way, X lab in your branch in this location has been consistently rated less than three out of five. And these are the two reasons why. And they love us because unlike a healthcare system where the Payment typically happens more than 90 days in hospital. This you're talking about like through insurance claims and all, like those payments take that. Our average payments are 45 days. So look at what are the problem statements for the provider. 
Why do they want to partner? Why do they don't want to partner? And trying to solve for those pain points. And that's how we built the, again, like you said, product thinking. That's how we built the network. How timely payments give them more than what they have today. Zero CAC for them. We are the demand gen, you are the supply kind of an approach. So you sell insurance through, like you have tie-ups with insurance companies and you sell their policies or uh, how do you sell insurance? Well, insurance is one of the things that you bundle. Yes. That must be like a code, like every employer you have must definitely be buying insurance from you. No. So some companies already have insurance through someone else. Then they only take insurance, the pre-preventive health part of it. Insurance today, so if you look at insurance today, there are, if you take more than 50 employees, 50 or 100 employees, the ecosystem is pretty mature. There are pretty large brokers out there who are doing a phenomenal job in terms of large enterprises. They get global mandates and all of that. Insurance companies also are chasing those large accounts because it gives them more premiums with lesser effort. But if you look at the market, which is typically seven employees, that's the minimum for buying an insurance today. And it could go lower also. But if you look at the micro and small enterprises, they don't get the same negotiating power as a large enterprise. And at the same time, not many brokers are focusing on it. Insurance companies don't want to go after so many small fish to get to a larger premium. That is where we are, again, it's a problem statement that we are focusing on saying, how can we be the master policy holder for all these smaller enterprises and negotiate as a collective bundle with insurance companies to bring that economy of scale and distribute that savings across companies. So you become the, the group as far as an insurance policy is concerned. You are the group and then you first have, let's say, 20 companies or 50 companies who are taking benefit of that group policy. And and historically, this hasn't worked, though it has been tried in the past. Is Again, they provide it, but they don't track the entire end-to-end. They don't track the customer. They don't track the engagement. They don't track the claims. They don't push their employees towards preventive health to be healthy. We build the hardest part, which is the preventive health, engagement, all of that. And then we bundle. Today, Touchwood, our book is highly profitable. In small enterprises, typically the books are not profitable. From an insurance company point of view, the loss ratio, what they call when it comes to group policies. All the small enterprises that we have onboarded, underwritten with our OPD cover on top of that are profitable. Why is that? Because we look at it like a complete health rather than just a IPD or health insurance. When we sell insurance, we also drive awareness towards health through health checkups, doctor consults, all of that. So an average individual on eKinCap platform, I would say, is more aware than a person who is not on eKinCap platform about health. So therefore, your users are inherently less likely to fall sick or get hospitalized. Correct. Okay, amazing. And so are you like a corporate broker and that's how you sell insurance further or how do you do that? What are the nuts and bolts of? So we are, we are master policy holder. Okay. And so you have a one size fits all plan for the SMEs or you because you negotiated the best possible pricing for it. Yeah. Okay. And you also spoke about financing spends. How do you do that? So we just started working on this third. I would say these. this is our third pillar. 
important pillar for us is today if you look at corporate users so there is opd which we call preventive health well-being opd whatever the name individual calls that typically takes care of an individual from getting into a hospital once they get into a hospital that's when the ipd kicks in which is the hospitalization which is the insurance cover these two are working now but there are white within this for example let's say somebody wants to go for a lasik if you look at the average corporate employee now median age is around 27 28 india has much younger population than any other country so there are costing surgeries there are fertility now if you look at one in five corporate employees is dealing with fertility issues and typically a corporate employee insurance corporate insurance covers only for 3 lakhs typically but a major incidents will not a 3 lakh will not suffice for a major incidents it will to 5 7 lakhs so how do you bridge all of these white spaces to be able to ensure that individual actually has a peace of mind when it comes to their health and that is what comes into the picture to be able to bridge all these gaps okay and that is through nbfc partners or like nbfc partners there you would get a spread on the interest or something like that that's how you would monetize it okay what is your gmv today like we don't call it gmv because it is not it's not a pass through for us because we collect the money on behalf of the company and then we distribute it out to our service providers because there is a differential pricing there's a separate price for apollo there's a separate price but it's a common price for the company uh, last year we did around uh, around 40 crores and uh, this year we have a much ambitious target 100 crores you want to cross that or yes we are way on our path to cross that this year you are uh, is there like a geographical concentration do you have more customers in south or north or something like that or? interestingly we have more customers in so we are based right about as a company hq is in hyderabad but our customers are more in more in mumbai delhi and bangalore than in hyderabad but if you look at from an employees point of view that previously employees were co-located around the offices now they could and there was this, we recently came across a city where an employee requested for a service which was bihar sharif tier 4 cities where because everybody is working from home now so that is how we expanded to 200 cities and growing to be able to serve provide that unified experience for these employees irrespective of whether they're working from home or office because that's the convenience for an hr the convenience for the hr when it comes to eating care is one platform one invoice one escalation point one vendor and one unified experience whether across the port across india and so you raised that 2cr tell me about the funding journey from there on we raised 2cr then we had a near death situation where we went through a dry season and then now we raised a small bridge round post that very small bridge round to sustain for a few months post that we raised our series a round which was 1 and 1/2 million which was in 2019 and in 2022 march we raised 15 million dollars So covid would have like really helped your cause be it in terms of attracting investor interest or even corporates i guess like the whole vaccination rollout is a big headache for a lot of employers and probably that would have been one of the services on the platform yes it is one of the services it actually helped us quite a bit we were the first company to provide cashless covid vaccination for employees across india where if you look at it at that point every company was scrambling to get vaccinations and in fact 
that uh, we were working directly with the manufacturing partners for the vaccination. But again, the government policies were changing by the week around us. And uh, when it was about to launch, I think the government said it could only be distributed through hospitals. Aggregators like us would not get access to the vaccinations. We couldn't even buy. So that's when we switched back to our partner network, which where we are already running credit system. So we went to our hospital partners and said, by the way, we already have this credit system. In fact, we'll pay you advance for X number of vaccinations on a rolling basis. You give us a green channel for in-care customers, or you give us a dedicated slot for in-care customers. And that's how we were able to roll out vaccinations. And because of our ability to be the, I would say, the first mover's advantage in that, to be able to provide cashless ability when nobody could figure out. Everybody was doing it more from a reimbursement point of view. We were literally, those few months, three months where COVID vaccinations were happening, we were running into calls till 2 a.m. Because every company wanted was calling, every CEO from the U.S., we literally people did uh, figured out our numbers, mine and Mado companies' numbers, calling really directly. Everybody's like, hey, how can you put us, put, uh, we, we are ready to pay you more, just put us ahead of the line. And, and we couldn't do that because we had to take care of our existing customers first, but we it for new and we had to say no to a lot of customers but that kind of helped us quite a bit because our existing customers saw our ethical values our existing customers saw that we were always ahead of the curve when it comes to employee health new customers who didn't get access also saw that hey we, we should be their customers because they're doing more for their customers and wish we were their customers at this point and that kind of helped us improve our brand quite a bit at that point today a lot of people within the industry know you can care who buyers and a lot of people would say we are known for our quality we are known for our ethical approach and more importantly we are known for our product centric approach so my last question to you you are in a very competitive space there has been like an explosion of companies which are going after that same market absolutely and like nova benefits Vascare. what do you think you need to focus on to win you know what is that make or break activity is it fundraise is it sales is it product what is it that i don't think there's one to be it might sound like a mba answer but I don't think there's one silver bullet for this section. Uh, you need a great product. Uh, all I would say is there's a large market out there. We have a kick-ass product, which is testament to several Fortune 500 companies already using it, which is testament to million and a half employees trusting us with their health and engagement on the product. We have a great team. And now what we need is blitz scaling how we go from 500 to 2000. Do you have a strategy in mind for that? Like 500 to 2000? Yeah, absolutely. What can you share? So what we are known, like as Tonyur, people don't know Ekin Care outside. If you ask a normal individual, do you know Ekin Care? They would say, I don't know. It's only the buyers would know. Uh, within that industry, Would if you ask a HR uh, of a large company, they would say, yeah, yeah, yeah I've come across Ekin Now, what we need to do is build a good brand out there, which is synonymous when it comes to health benefits, which is synonymous with when it comes to employee health, which is synonymous when it comes to trusting eKinCare as a brand when it comes to health. 
So all the 500 companies that we are talking about have been acquired through word of mouth or organic. We don't have a large sales team. Now we are hiring our sales team. Otherwise we had what a six member sales team. So now we are going to emphasize on branding marketing to be able to get a word out. So this most recent round $15 million is essentially growth capital to fund marketing and sales expenses. Correct. So if you leave aside the expense on brand building, are you cash flow positive? So our uh, unit economics is definitely positive. Gross margin is positive. EBITDA is not positive. Which is because you're spending on marketing and acquisition. We are spending ahead of time. Got it. Okay. But our industry is one such where we don't need a lot of capital, to be honest, because it is it is unit economic positive. Our CAC is low. Our LTV is high. Yeah, once you acquire a customer, that customer is unlikely to switch over. All the data which resides on you is a massive moat. The pain of switching over is extremely high. It's like Salesforce. Once somebody buys Salesforce, they don't switch because all the data is on Salesforce. Otherwise, they lose all the standardized structured data, the analytics, the risks. So far, we have covered your extensive journey of finding product market fit. And my understanding was that the corporate insurance play would be like a very major part of the journey forward. But I believe you have some updates over there. Yes, Akshay, this was an experiment that we did, honestly, because we also felt and believed that the group health insurance policy is underpenetrated when it comes to small businesses, right? Uh, small and micro enterprises. And uh, over the last uh, six months, we started experimenting with this in January. And for six months, we tried to onboard clients. We onboarded close to 100 companies. A good premium book that we onboarded as a master policy holder. Again, we did onboard them as an insurance company or a broker as a master policy holder. And what we realized is A, the cost per acquisition to acquire these small and micro enterprises was pretty high. One, because there is too much competition in the market with multiple players trying to go after the small and micro enterprises. Two, the paying capacity Again, we got into with this assumption and this assumption was validated. That's where we like to do experiments as a company and we believe in fail fast, fail cheap approach. And the paying capacity of these small and micro enterprises was not there. It was ridiculously low. And three, our ability to upsell, cross-sell into these small and micro enterprises was negligible. Again, goes back to my second point, which is paying capacity. And four, like any small and micro enterprise, extremely price conscious. So they're not value buyers, they're more price-based buyers. So if the policy from someone else is 5,000 rupees lower on the overall premium or 10,000 lower, no matter how many bells and whistles you give, they would switch to the lowest price because... I've been through that journey even as a small enterprise, right? Yeah, every rupee matters. Every rupee matters. And that's where we realized this is our focus on the side of the business with a high CAC, low outcome is a losing proposition, which is the reason why we decided to move on from one, selling IPD insurance as a master policy holder to focusing on small. What is this IPD? Sorry, you use this term. IPD is inpatient department, which is hospitalization, group health insurance policy. And two, going after the small and micro enterprises. And we did a very thorough analysis of all the data right over the past six months. And we realized 
we were running faster we were burning more calories to achieve that but literally not losing weight by going on the smaller micro okay that's a nice metaphor so you're saying that cac to ltv ratio which is i think really the the golden metric to see how investable your business is uh, like that's what most vcs like to look at so that ratio was very lopsided the acquisition cost was high the long term value was low because limited opportunity to sell premium features and so on so what is your mainstay then so we we have been a pioneer in when it comes to opd right when i say opd it is anything apart from hospitalization so diagnostics teleconsultation care management programs gyms e pharmacy all of this right the benefits that the company provides to employees we've been phenomenally great in terms of our network in terms of our technology in terms of our offering as well as because of our breadth in terms of the companies that we cover on the opd front from the likes of s&p global to kpmg to blackrock to linkedin nike ebay escorts kotak quite a few companies that we cover on the opd front right because of which we have a very strong footing so we decided to play to our strength and we're now partnering with companies that are actually providing hospitalization cover rather than competing with them interesting so you are the health buddy for employees of these companies like you mentioned say linkedin or nike or so on correct so for their employees you are the health buddy the first place they will go to when they have any need be it uh, i'm down with a flu or be it that my i need emergency service ambulance service or any healthcare need so th- this uh, when a company is providing pharmacy this takes care of that medical reimbursement like there's that component in your salary to save tax which is the medical reimbursements uh, that is only that's gone that's gone long ago so that 15000 rupees is gone but there is a annual there's an annual health checkup that gives you a section 80d tax so that's what it takes care of so there are companies for example i'll just again when we say innovation when it comes to opd so today if you were a company what you would do uh, akshay is say as a liberal company as a pro employee uh, company you would say hey anybody who wants to go to a gym i'm happy to reimburse your gym bills now when what ends up happening let's say you have a company with 5000 employees everybody at the beginning of the month will show you a bill they collect the money not that they're doing any fraud or not but they hardly go to the gym yeah there's no we spoke about this like the the check on utilization is not there so you are instead able to convert this into a paper visit paper visit as a pool so these are the kind of innovations that we did again on the opd front that's our stronghold we want to make india healthy one year at a time uh, today we are close to a million employees and we believe we have not even scratched the surface because as of last year it, there were 73 million salaried employees out there and we just capturing only one, a million employees so the journey is is much longer and much bigger And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad@thepodium.in. That's ad@thepodium.in. At 